Amy Cartwright, one of our greeters, was out in the hallway just sort of jamming out during the opening. I thought, that's cool, that's cool. Uh, man, thanks for being here. If you missed last week, you missed sort of the kickoff. We started a brand new series, just a three-parter called Your Story Matters. And so if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back and check out the first part of it because it really helps make the rest of the series make a lot more sense. But today, I want to jump into that. So let me, let me sort of catch you up. If you missed last week, we basically said every single one of us is writing the story of our life. Like every single day, what we do you know, begins to compound, and over time, those moments become paragraphs in our story, and those paragraphs become chapters in our story, that one day, man, people are going to talk about our life, and they're going to talk about what mattered to us, what we stood for, what we believed in, what we're like to be around, that every single one of us, we're writing a story with our life, and that one day, all of us are going to pass away, and one day, there's going to be family and friends that gather around, and they're going to tell that story. Now, honestly, that feels a little bit dark at 11 on a Sunday morning to say one day that we're all going to have a funeral. But it's very sobering to say one day people are going to tell the story of our life. And my hope is that we would live with the kind of intention that we get to write what we want them to say. What would you want your spouse to say? What would you want your closest friends to say? What would you want the people around you to say? What do you want to be remembered for? And so last week, we looked briefly at the story of a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament, and we told his story. They had a strong beginning. He had a strong ending. But in the middle, there was a lot of ups and downs. In fact, we drew this nice, neat little timeline of his life on the screen. Check out sort of the picture of Joseph's life. Look at this timeline. Uh, His life starts out positive, starts with his dream, ends with saving the world. But in the middle, do you see all the ups and downs, right? All the ups and downs, that that is normal. Now, for me, I'm a very sequential kind of thinker. So that's why every time I teach, we have sort of, you know, points and I think sort of systematically. And so last week when I made that timeline, I got, I I was like, all right, I'm going to get nerdy on this. I'm going to make sure the lines are just right. I'm going to make sure the spacing's just right. I got all nerdy about it. But then as I walked into this week, what I realized that most of our lives don't look nice and neat like that. Most of our lives don't make as clear sense as that. In fact, most of us live in what I call the messy middle. Anybody else feel like that sometimes? I mean, sometimes even on the way to church on Sunday morning, we feel that way. We, we have like World War III in the car on the way to church, and then we walk in. Hello, brother. How, how are you, right? And there's this tension of this messy middle. And so when I talk about this idea that your story matters, here, here's why I say that. Here, here's the nutshell of why your story matters has been something that, that has gripped my heart for the last four years or so, and I've walked with it for so long, is because here's what I believe. I believe there's a God that loves you. I believe he's a personal God that wants to have a relationship with you. And because he's a personal God that wants to have a relationship with you, he sent his own son to this earth to die for my sin, your sin, for the sin of the world. And I believe that God has a reason for every single one of us to live on this earth. We're not here by accident. We're not here by, we're not some backup plan that if we're still breathing, if we're still on this earth, there's something God has for us. And if that's true, which I believe it is, and if you're a believer, you believe that is, then that means that your life matters. It means how you lead matters. It means how you parent matters. It it means how you coach matters. It, It means how you work matters. That if 
God put you on this earth and God created you for relationship and God created you to do something on this earth, it means that every single moment matters. It means that one day, here's what we believe, is that time is actually a tool used by God, that time is actually moving somewhere, that there's something God's accomplishing in history, that one day the ultimate end of the story is, is that God gets the glory, and that ultimately one day, if we're believers, we're gonna stand before God and we're gonna give an account for our part of that story. That's why I believe your story matters, is because there's something connected to it. And what that also means is that every single person around us, their story matters as well. Every single person we see, every single person we live around, every single person we bump into in public, what that means is they too are born in the image of God and that they too were created for relationship with God, that their life too has purpose and meaning and there's something that God means to, and their life matters and they deserve to be treated like their life matters. This big idea is all rooted in this fact that there's a God that loves us and so every single day matters. Your story matters. So if that's true, why don't we feel that tension inside of us? If that's true, then why are there so many days that don't feel like they matter? If that's true, why does it seem like there's all these moments around us that are so mundane, we're like, there is no way what I do in this moment matters. It's because we're in that messy middle. We're in that in-between. We're in that, that spot of where life happens. I mean, I was talking to some of our team between the gatherings this morning, and uh, last week I woke up Sunday morning with one of those awful summer colds. And so I woke up feeling just, you know, bad. And then I took NyQuil and DayQuil all week long. And for some reason, NyQuil and DayQuil make me angry. I don't know anybody else that way. I don't know what is in it, but I get so frustrated about the dumbest stuff when I'm on NyQuil. I'm like, are you kidding me, right? And so I have all these crazy thoughts and all this. And, and you know, you, you can sort of mask it in public, but then you drop your guard, and, right? And that's, that's called being human. That's called being in the messy middle. And so here's what I want to do today. What I want to do is I want to get sort of nerdy in a sense. I want to get sort of, uh, uh, sort of technical in a sense because the danger of living in the messy middle is that's the way we feel. In fact, can we put that graphic back on the screens real quick of the messy middle is that when we're living in the messy middle, we feel like this ball of emotions. Where there's some, right, so when I'm, when I'm on NyQuil all week long, one little thing is tied to the rest of the knot inside of me, and it triggers something totally unrelated, right? I mean, that, that, that's what the messy middle is about, is we get so emotional, we get so caught up, we get so irrational. And so if you'll allow me today, let me pull this ball apart a little bit. Let me sort of disconnect from the emotion a little bit so that we can get some handles. Does that sound okay? And so if you've got a handout today, there's a place for some notes. And I would love just to 
give you some handles for this messy middle. Let me just sort of disconnect from the emotion for a minute. Let me disconnect from that, that thing that, 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 that feels so overwhelming. And let me just sort of back away and let me use the story, what happened in history of a guy named Gideon and the nation of Israel. Because if anybody felt the messy middle, it's the nation of Israel. If anybody felt, hey, I don't know why I'm here and I don't know if this really matters, they felt it. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along. Or if you have a device, you can do that. It starts in Judges chapter 6. The book of Judges is honestly a history of the nation of Israel. And it's a snapshot of the messy middle of their life as a nation. It is after God delivered them from Egypt, but it's before God establishes the kingdom and King David to rule them. They're in this messy middle where they have all of this drama, all of this junk over and over and over and over again. And so by the time we get to Judges chapter six, they're losing hope. By the time we get to Judges chapter six, they're about to call it quits. And man, before you do that, before I do that, let's take a step back. Let's try to reach into that ball of mess in the middle and let's try to pull it apart. Let's try to straighten the line out just for a little bit today so that we have handles. Listen to what it says in Judges chapter 6. Here's what it says down in verse 1. It says, then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Do you see that? Now let me ask you a question. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Well, it's highlighted, so it must be a bad idea, right? The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of the Midian for seven years. So as we seek to untangle this mess, here's the first thing I'd love for you to grasp. And just the first handle is number one. Handle number one is we need to examine the problem. We need to examine the problem. We need to examine what is that mess? What is that tangled junk? What is, what is that thing that's that, that keeps spinning in my head and keeps me up at night and wakes me up early in the morning? What is that thing that's causing me to snap at the people that love me the most? What is that thing that's causing me to act in a way that I wouldn't ordinarily act? We need to, number one, examine that. Handle, number one, is examine the problem. And so if you were to take Judges chapter 6 and examine the problem in the nation of Israel, here's what you'd find. Their problem, the first thing that you find as you examine their problem is it was deserved. It was deserved. God had given them instructions on how to live. They were God's chosen people. There to be God's light in the midst of this pagan world. And so as a result, God says, here's how I want you to live. Here's where I want you to focus. But the nation of Israel did what we often do. Instead of looking up, we start looking around and we start comparing to everybody else and we start living their way. And that's what the nation of Israel did. They had this history over and over and over again where they got spiritual ADD. They got disconnected from what God wanted and they started focusing on everybody else. Well, they worship idols and they do all of this crazy stuff. So maybe we ought to do it. And so because God loves them, now catch this, because God cares about them, because they are God's people, he could have just said, if that's the way you're gonna be, I'm done with you. He could have said, all right, no more. Y'all can just do your own thing. But because God loves them, he disciplines them. 
And any parent knows what that's like. Anybody that cares about somebody knows what that's like. Is Yes, you could disconnect, right? You could back away. You could act like nothing's wrong, but that's not actually the loving thing to do. The loving thing to do is when we're off track and when we're making bad decisions for somebody that loves us to step in. And that's what God's doing. So the way that God does it is he allows the enemy called the Midianites to come in and wreak havoc on the nation. They deserved it. They got it the old-fashioned way. They absolutely deserved it. So as we examine this problem, at least for them, is A, it's deserved, and then B, it's devastating. It's devastating. It feels like all the oxygen's moved out of the situation. It, it, It feels like there's no hope, right? Because here's what happens. The basic law is this, is that you will reap what you sow, you will reap later than you sow, you will reap more than you sow, right? That's just, that's just true of any person's life, a man's life, a woman's life, a kid's life, a church's life, a nation's life, is that whatever we plant in the soil of our lives, it's gonna grow. It may not grow overnight, it may not grow next week, but over time, whatever we plant, it's gonna grow, 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 and that's what happens for the nation of Israel. They sowed seeds of rebellion and it led to devastation. They sowed seeds of bad choices and it led to consequences. That's why it's so important that if we're going to unwind this messy ball of life that we examine it because for them, A, it's deserved. B, it's devastating. So the Midianites roll into the land and right about the time that the nation of Israel is supposed to harvest and they're supposed to get food and feed their families and all these crops, the enemy, the Midianites roll in and take it all. They, they, they rode in on the camels, they come in swiftly, they take it all and the nation of Israel is left with nothing. And we've been there, right? We've been there where where we earned, right, we made a bad choice, we willingly stepped into something, and then we find ourselves in this area of devastation where we're like, man, I don't know how this is going to work out. Man, I really don't know what's going to happen. I I, I don't really know if something positive could happen, but in the middle of that, man, it is deserved, it's devastating, but it places within them a desire a desire, God, can it be good again? That's part of the process. That's part of figuring out this problem. There's gotta be a moment where we click time out instead of keep doing the things that created the mess in the first place that we step back and we try to get objective. Sometimes uh, we need an outside voice to help us debrief all of that. Sometimes we, we need to dive into scripture and say, God, what do you say about this? Some, sometimes it's the people that are closest to us that have been telling us something over and over and over again, but we haven't been listening to them that we would pause and we'd examine it. We'd say, man, what did I do to deserve this? Man, how do I feel devastated by this? But do I believe it can be good again. See, what happens for the nation of Israel, which was so dangerous, which was so dangerous, is as you read the book of Judges, they do this over and over and over again, where God brings them low, he allows the enemy to attack. At some point, the nation of Israel says, God, would you help us? God raises up a leader, they come back to God, they have peace for a little while, and then they wander again, and then they're devastated again. And some of us live in that same cycle. Or we only come to God when, we, when it's an emergency. When we only get really serious when we're caught. And there's something about pausing 
and saying, I want to see this for what it is. So that's the first handle. Handle number one is to say, man, I need to examine the problem. I need to be honest about it. I need to step back from the, the ball of mess and begin to look at it for what it is. It starts with handle number one, examining the problem. But let's not stop there. Are y'all good with that? Let's not stop with the problem. That would be a depressing way to end the service. Like, welcome home, go in peace, right? That's, that's not where I want to stop today. Handle number two is where we enter the process. What you see throughout scripture is that getting out of bad decisions isn't an overnight thing. I think in our, in our culture, in our country, and sort of our Western way of thinking, we always want quick fixes, don't we? I mean, we, we, we want stuff to happen overnight. We want there to be a magic prayer, a magic pill, a magic thing, right? Where somebody, you know, prays some magic prayer over us and then suddenly everything's awesome. We want to try to undo all that stuff that we sowed. We don't want to reap what we sowed. We don't want to reap later and greater than we sowed. We want there to be some quick fix. There's not that, but what there is, is there's a process that we can step into. It's not overnight, it is incremental. It's not immediate, but it's necessary. It happens in the present. It happens when you and I decide we want to step into it. Let me show you where this comes from uh, when it comes from the nation of Israel. So what happens in Judges chapter 6, we meet an unlikely leader whose name is Gideon. Look down at verse 1 again. It says, And the nation of Israel had done what was evil in the sight of God, and God gave them in the hand of the Midians for seven years. Seven years. You don't get out of seven years overnight. You don't, you don't get out of seven years of problems with one simple quick fix. It's a process. Look down at verse 6. It says in verse 6, And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. They're like, God, would you help us? God, would you get us out of this? God, do you remember us? And then when you get down to verse 11, we meet Gideon, and here's what happens. It says in verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the, the tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now Gideon is, doesn't look like a hero at this moment. Gideon is just like the rest of the nation. He's having a meltdown. He's like, God, they're coming to get us. God, they're taking all of our food. God, this is all I have now. All I have is this wheat and chaff. And so usually whenever you'd separate wheat from chaff, you'd do it out in the open. You'd do it on an elevated place. You'd do it where the wind could blow through and separate the two. And you could save what was good and get rid of what was bad. Usually you'd do that out on the open, up high where the wind's blowing through. But Gideon, when we meet him in verse 11, he's hiding from the enemy. This supposed leader, this supposed deliverer is down in this lowest place in the wine press. He's hiding away. He's like, God, what's going to happen? God, we're going to die. This isn't going to work out. And so we see this process play out. And so here's the process that we see for Gideon and we see for us is, A, it starts with a moment of clarity. It starts with this moment of clarity where once we've examined the problem and we take a step back, we get really clear about what the issue is. We get really clear. Sometimes it's our bad choices. Sometimes it's the influences around our life. Sometimes it's not, we're not spending time with the Lord every single day. Uh, we're not connected with other believers. There's a lot of different reasons, but it starts with this moment of clarity where they see the problem for what it is, where they quit making excuses and say, man, we, if we just try harder, we'll get it together. 
man, if I, if I just keep muscling through it, that's the danger for guys is guys are like, well, maybe I'll just man up and I won't admit I have a problem. Or to every lady, maybe I, I don't want to share this need with other people, so I'll try to handle it myself. But for Gideon and for us, it starts with this moment of clarity. Help. Getting honest. I need help. Things aren't working out the way that I thought, but that clarity leads to this challenge. Look what happens. Here's this challenge. God comes to Gideon, and listen to what it says in verse 11. Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord, listen to this, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now just try to picture the scene for a moment. Gideon is scared to death. Gideon's afraid that this little bit of food I have left, the Midianites are going to get. And so I'm going to hide. I'm going to get down in this wine press. He's like on his hands and his knees. He's having a full-on meltdown. He's like, God, why is this happening to me? What's up with this? Why is my life falling apart? God, if you really love me, where are you at? And this angel of the Lord shows up. And as the angel talks to him, the angel of the Lord doesn't say, hey, the Lord is with you, whiner. Oh, the Lord is with you, loser. The Lord is with you, oh, scaredy cat. He doesn't say that. You can read it in any translation of the Bible that you want to. You don't read it that way. God doesn't look down and say, man, I can't believe you. And even in that moment, Gideon's still having this meltdown. When the angel says, the Lord is with you, Gideon responds in verse 13 and says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening to us? We've all asked that at some point, haven't we? God, if you're with me, then why is this happening? Why are, we, why are the Midianites having their way? Why is this happening? And in the middle of that moment, God does not address Gideon as he is. He addresses Gideon as he's going to be. A man of valor. A defender. A leader. So when we're caught up in this ball of mess called the messy middle, we, we get cynical. We think this is the way it's always going to be in my life. Always, and I've made all these mistakes, 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 mistakes. But here's the word this morning. God doesn't look down and see you through your mistakes. God doesn't look down and, and label you based on your sin. God doesn't look down. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God, he doesn't see you as you are or as you were, but as you're going to be. And so he doesn't look down and say to every single mom, oh, well, there's no way you're going to be a great parent by yourself. It doesn't look down to every guy that's blown it on the workforce and say, there's no way you're going to get it back together. It doesn't look down at grandparents and say, your time is done. God looks down and he calls out of us what we could be and should be in him. That's part of the process. Now we've got to enter into this process where it starts with the moment of clarity. It leads to this challenge, and here's the challenge. Do I believe that God is with me? Gideon, God's with you. Yeah, but if he's with me, then why is this happening? No, 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 no. God is with you. Right? It starts with clarity. Man, i got to get really clear. I've got to be honest. Man, there's some things I've done. There's some mistakes that I earned. I, I need to get clear about it. But in the middle of that, the challenge is, do I believe God's still with me? Do I believe that God's still for me? Do I believe God still has a plan for my life? Do I believe that God created me on purpose? Do I believe that the reason why I have breath in my lungs is because God's not done with me? Do I believe that? Clarity, challenge, and then ultimately for Gideon, it leads to a choice 
This is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not just, right? It's not just a second. What you see over these next couple of chapters, in chapter 6 and chapter 7, is you see him making choice after choice after choice, where he's like, all right, I hear that God's with me, but would you show yourself in this situation? And God does. And then Gideon still feels that tension. God, you say you're with me, but God, would you do this other thing to prove that you're with me? And he does. And then another time, God, he's like, all right, God, you're with me, but I don't... would you show that you're with me? And over time, it starts with clarity, challenge, and then a choice. Clarity, I'm really clear about what I've done. Challenge, do I believe that God's with me? Choice, am I going to live like that? Man, I wish we had time. We don't have time to go all the way into chapter 7 today. But I want to invite you through both the weekdaypodcast.com and through the daily aha that's in our app. We're going to dive into parts of the story that we can't talk about today. But just hear this process. You've got to step into it. That's why I love us gathering every single week. Because every single week there's people in here that aren't really sure if they're ready to take that next step. And so maybe you're here and you're just getting clarity today. Clarity, clarity, clarity. And then over time what happens is you stay in that cycle as you're like, all right, uh, I'm getting really clear. So let me, let, let me come and uh, let me download, all right? What does he say about God? What does he say about where I'm at? What does he say, right? And so that leads to the challenge. Man, I don't know everything they believe, but he says God's for me. Do I believe that? Do I believe that? Do I believe that? Do I believe that God's with me? Challenge, challenge, challenge. People keep coming back, coming back, coming back. Clarity, challenge. And then over time, am I going to make a choice? And these are just handles. These are ways to step back from the mess because we all have mess, don't we? We do. It starts with number one, examining the problem. Handle number two, entering the process. It starts with the step, step, step. And finally, number three, as we do that, to say, you know what? I'm going to see the problem for what it is. I'm going to see me for what I am. And as we step into this process, number three, we get to experience the products. There's something that comes out of this. There's something that changes inside of us. And we'll talk about this on the podcast this week, but for Gideon, here's what happens for him. He gets a brand new faith. This guy that's down in the wine press, whining, 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 whining. God, if you're so good, then why is all this happening? God, if this is, if you're a God of love, then why? And what begins to happen is he puts out fleece after fleece after fleece. One of the ways that he's like, God, are you here? Are you here? Are you here? And every single time that Gideon takes a step towards God, God takes a step for him. And the result of that is this new faith begins to erupt inside of him where he's like, man, I, I still don't understand this mess. I don't still love the situation we're in, but I'm willing to take a next step, it leads to that new faith, and then ultimately B is it leads to a new focus. It leads to a new focus. So the danger of being caught in that messy middle is all we focus on is the mess. Everywhere we look, it looks like a mess. When you're in that state of mind, for me, when I was on NyQuil and DayQuil, everywhere I looked, there's a mess around me. I don't know, maybe I need to go into therapy over NyQuil, or maybe I should just quit taking it. That, (laughs) examine the problem. Enter the process. I'm going to go home and throw away. (laughs) But when you're in the mess, when you're in the middle, sometimes we need to straighten it out, step back, and allow faith to grow inside of us. 
for a new focus, because when you're in the middle of all of this, the temptation is to see everything as a mess. And so for Gideon early on, he's like, but God, why is this happening? Why are the Midianites doing this? Why is this? Why this? Why this? And ultimately, the new focus shifts off of him to, oh, God, you're with me. See, there's not a great answer to all the mess stuff that we go through. Why is there pain? Why is there hurting? Why is there drama? Why is there people at work that do this? Why does this happen in relation? There's not a lot of great answers to that, but there is a great answer, not to why, but who's with me? And once you answer that, right, it leads to a new faith. It leads to a new focus. I'm not going to focus on the mess. I'm going to focus who's with me in the mess. And then over time, it leads to see a new fortitude, a new stick-to-itness. This conviction that if God is with me, this conviction that if God is with me, I've got confidence to face the mess today. I've got confidence not to give up today. I've got confidence to say this day, I'm going to live as if God is with me. Because here's the truth in the middle of the messy middle is that God is with you. God is not done with you. God doesn't see you through your past, through your mistakes, through your labels. God is with you. And so my question this morning is, as we wrestle and we pull apart this messy middle, is that if God is with you, are you with him? In other words, another way to ask this question is, if I believe God is with me, what kind of choices should I make based on that? Another great way to ask this question is just to remove you from the equation and just say, man, if there is somebody I know that believes beyond a shadow of a doubt that their story matters, that their life matters, that God is with them, if I know somebody like that that believes that God is with them, how would they respond with what life throws, them, throws at them this week? And that person becomes you. If I believe God's with me, how will I live differently? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? Man, I'd love to be able to pray for us this morning. Uh, man, I, I so believe that this is the part where so many people get stuck. I know I've been there. That killer loop where we're just like the nation of Israel, stuck. My belief is you don't have to stay there. The quickest way to get from where we're at to where we want to be is by being completely honest. Facts are our friends. Maybe today there's something that something popped up inside of you that you're like, man, I haven't fully dealt with that. I haven't surrendered that. I haven't turned from that. I haven't entered the process. Maybe for some of you, maybe you're still checking this out, and that's you, that's fine. But for some of you, maybe that next step is to enter this process. Clarity, challenge, choice, clarity, challenge, choice. Maybe it's to get really honest with your spouse this week and say, man, we need to talk about this. We need to remove the emotion and just talk about this, black and white. Here's what it is. Maybe it's to talk to somebody you trust. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a pastor, small group leader. So would you just looking from the outside in. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? But ultimately, it's about knowing who's with you. If you know Christ personally, he's with you. And if you don't know him, that's where all of this begins. It starts with putting our faith and our trust in him. 
starts with that foundation. So this morning, I'd love to be able to pray for us. Is there anybody in the house today that would just say, Bobby, as you pray, pray for me because I feel like I'm stuck in that messy middle. I, that's where I'm at. If that's you, you'd allow me to pray for you. Would you just slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air, just, just a moment of honesty. Yeah. There's no judgment here. This is, this is life, right? Would you consider today but there's a God that loves you and he's got a plan for you. In fact, as I pray out loud, would you pray silently in your head and your heart? If you raise your hand or maybe you didn't raise it, but you felt like it, would you just say, God, would you help me to sense you're with me? God, would you help me to sense you're with me? And maybe you would ask him, God, would you give me the courage to live like I believe that? Sometimes we're like Gideon, I believe, but I need to work this out. I believe, but I still have some doubts. Even the guy in the New Testament was like, Jesus, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. That we'd be honest and say, God, would you help me? God, would you help me? Would you help me to get clear? Would you help me to believe that you're with me in the middle of it? Would you help me to begin make choices on it? And God, would you help me to stay consistent over the long haul? Not just one time, not just when it's convenient, not just when everything's falling apart, but God, would you help me to believe that you're with me and to live that way? Would you help me to believe that you're near and that, that, that you're with me and that that affects the choices I make? Would you help me to be the future me that you want me to be? the valiant warrior, the man of God, the woman of God, the leader, the person that you want me to be. In a moment when I finish praying, Zach and the team's gonna lead us. And before we head out, I'd love for you, I'd love for you to sing this, this truth out loud that it would drop out of your head and into your heart. And I wanna invite you, next week we are wrapping this up and next week's message is hands down my favorite message because I believe it's going to be the most impactful part of this whole Your Story Matters emphasis. So if you're able to be back, I'd love for you to be back. If you've got some friends that, that maybe haven't been around in a while or maybe have never been here, this would be a fantastic week to invite them as we wrap this up next week. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you call the, cause these truths to drop out of our heads and into our hearts. And it's in your name we pray.